the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace is greater than sin. Christ is greater than the evil one. Victory is ours in Jesus. And death has lost its hold upon us. That's Pastor Mark Finley. And this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. Father in heaven, we thank you today for the opportunity of opening your word. We pray that the one that inspired the word would come inspire our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Have you ever had one of those defining moments in your life that impacted your future? Or have you had one of those experiences that may have changed the direction of your thinking? A number of years ago, when I was a much younger pastor than I am today, I was actually 27 years old. And I had one of those life-changing experiences for me that really impacted my life. My mentor was an older preacher by the name of W.D. Frizee. And Pastor Frizee and I often would preach together the same sermon. So I would start and preach for 20 minutes. After I preached for 20 minutes, he would get up and finish the sermon and make a powerful appeal for the next 20 minutes. On a particular Friday night, well over 40 years ago, we were preparing to preach a sermon on Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. Now, if you're a student of Bible prophecy, you recognize the complexity of Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. There are time prophecies that are quite challenging for some to explain. Now, I was a young preacher, and he told me, Now, Mark, I want you to preach for the first 20 minutes and show the mathematical precision of the prophecies in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And when you get done with that, after 20 minutes, I will get up and round that topic out and make an appeal. And so we agreed. But as the time came near, I became more anxious as a young preacher and more nervous about the topic. And it was Friday, not because I had any questions about it, but I had questions about my ability to clearly explain it. And so it was a Friday morning, and we were going to preach on Friday evening. And I went to Pastor Frizzi, and I said, I'm really nervous about this. I'm really nervous about it. I really think we should change the topic, because I'm afraid that I'm going to lose people in the math, and I'm going to stumble over this thing, and I'm really anxious about it. We talked about it for a little while, and we prayed about it. And then he said, you know what? This is what I want you to do. I want you to take the rest of the day, and I want you to take your Bible and go for a walk in the woods. We were living at a place called Wildwood Medical Missionary Institute in Georgia, and we had 
acres and acres of trails. And so he said, I want you to go for a walk in the woods. Take your Bible, take a pen and take a pad of paper and go think about what you want to preach. And I will do the same. Let's just take the day to fast and pray. So we did. I didn't see him all day. I just went walking in the woods. And as I was praying, the Lord impressed my mind with a particular topic. And as I sat down to write, with my back up against a tree, began to write, and then I went home and went into my study and I wrote, and it was as if the Spirit was guiding my mind. It was as if an angels were guiding my pen. We had agreed that we would meet at 6 o'clock at the chapel, and at 7, the meeting was to begin. So I came in. I hadn't seen Pastor Frizzy all day, and we had agreed that he would write his notes and I would write my notes, and then we'd meet together and put our notes together. That is not a way that I recommend when I teach preaching to young pastors to do it. But anyway, it's what we did. So I came into the little room, and he was sitting there, and he said, Now, Mark, do you have your notes? I said, Yes. He said, May I see them, please? I handed him my notes, and this big smile burst across his face. And he began to go like this, which, you know, Pastor Frizzy, he would always, when he was praising God, he'd always go like this. He was going like this. He said, Let me show you my notes. He gave me his notes Without seeing one another for seven or eight hours, we chose the exact same text to preach on the exact same topic, and we had similar notes that were almost exactly the same. The sermon that we preached that day really helped to define my ministry. And one of the reasons it did was this. I sensed that preaching was not merely conveying information but that in the proclamation of God's word, the Holy Spirit comes down and changes lives in incredibly unique ways. And as a young pastor, God knew that I needed that lesson. Our topic that night was the topic that I'm going to share with you this morning, Jesus, fully God and fully man. Now, let me assure you that I'm not warming over a topic that I preached 40 years ago and preaching it again for this congregation. This is not warmed over leftovers that you're going to receive today, but it reflects the same text because the text in the Bible that we preached on over 40 years ago is still there. So if you have your Bible, please take it and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, fully God, and Jesus, fully man. We're taking our Bibles and turning to Philippians, the second chapter. This topic and this passage of scripture is one of the clearest revelations of the majesty of Christ in all of the Bible. It is one of the richest and most spiritually profound passages in all of the New Testament. There is much, much more there than a casual observer discovers. And so we want to unpack the text. We want to look at the text and we want to let God speak to us this morning in the text. God has something for you in this passage of Scripture. These next few moments can be life-changing. So we look at Philippians, the second chapter. We're beginning with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. We pause there. Let. The word let means allow. Choose. Permit. So allow this mind to be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, allow Christ's thoughts to impact your thinking process. Choose to fill your mind with the thoughts of eternity so that the very mind of Christ, the very thought pattern of Christ, the very attitude of Christ becomes your attitude. Who, verse 6, 
who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now notice the sixth verse, who being in the form of God. The American Standard Version says, who existing in the form of God. The Phillips translation of Philippians 2 verse 6 says, for he who always has been God by nature. Now, if you're a student of scripture, you recognize that the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Greek is a much richer language than English is. We have many more words in Greek to describe something than we do in English. And so I want you to take a look at this word being, who being in the form of God. In the Greek language, the word being describes one that is in the very essence of God. Being is a word that describes something that cannot be changed. It's that which can never be taken away. It describes the innate, unchangeable, unalterable characteristics of a thing. In other words, Jesus is divine by nature. He is the very nature of God. So although Christ is a separate being than God is, their natures are unchangeable. Jesus is in the very essence of God. So Paul emphatically declares, Jesus was essentially, unalterably, unchangeably God. Now you look at verse 6 again. It says, who being, that is the unalterable, unchangeable nature of God, in the form of God. The Greek word for form is morphe, and it means, again, the essence. It is not something that is changeable. For example, I am a man, but I can have changeable stages in my life. I can have childhood. I can have puberty. I can have 20s. I can have adulthood. I don't look today like I did 40 years ago. I'll tell you an interesting story. A lady said to me not long ago, I was preaching at a large meeting, a lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I just saw a program of you on television and you looked so young, you don't look any different than you did 20 years ago. I said, lady, that television program was taped 20 years ago. But, you know, so we change. We change from childhood to puberty to 20s to adulthood. The word for that is schema. That's the Greek word for that, schema. It's the changeable portion of who I am. But the unchangeable portion, the maleness of who I am, I had maleness when I was a child, I had maleness when I was in puberty, I had maleness in adulthood. This maleness, this unchangeable part of my nature, that's the word morphe. And so here, when you look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, and you'll see why this is so significant as we go, it says, verse 6, who being, that is, Christ is in the unalterable, unchangeable form, the very essence of God. Now, throughout Scripture, we find that Jesus is identified not merely as a God, not merely as one who came from God, but Jesus is identified as being with God and having the privileges and prerogatives of God. That as we look at the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have these three members of the Godhead. You remember what it says in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. So look at Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. In Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, the scripture says, This is the angel who's quoting Isaiah's prophecy. He's quoting Isaiah 7, verse 14. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now, the angel is quoting to Joseph, who's wanted to put away Mary because of the social embarrassment he felt would happen. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So, when the angel talks about Jesus, the angel says that Jesus is whom? Who is Jesus? He is whom? He is God with us. Now, one of the most amazing passages that establishes the divinity of Christ, God with us, is found in Hebrews chapter 1. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. You can grow in your knowledge of God's Word by enrolling in online courses by Pastor Mark Finley. Go to HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. That's HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. When you go there, you will find wonderful courses such as Bible prophecy, discipleship, leadership, or improving your health. These courses are especially designed to help you discover deeper insights into the Bible. Go to HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. That's HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. Or call right now to register, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. 888-244-HOPE. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is God with us. Hebrews, the first chapter, unfolds this eternal truth even more completely. You're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And as we proceed this morning, you'll see the significance of this, the overwhelming importance of this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Now, the rest of verse 2, all of verse 3, and verse 4 describes who the Son is, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So here it's establishing in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, who Jesus is. He's the creator. He is the divine creator. Because he is divine and has existed with the Father, he has all power. So Jesus made the world. He's the creator. Now notice verse 3. Who being in the brightness of his glory. So Christ is in the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. Notice the preciseness of the language. Philippians 2, it said Jesus was in the very essence, the unchangeable nature of God. Verse 3, it says he's in the brightness of God's glory. Not simply the image of his person, but the express image of his person. Upholding all things by the word of his power. So Christ is the divine creator, but not only is Christ the creator, Christ is the sustainer. We continue. When he had by himself purged our sins. So not only is he the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, he's the savior of the universe, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's our high priest. Because he is the creator, he can recreate our lives. 
because he is divine, because he is all-powerful, because he called and worlds came into existence, and he spoke and earth was carpeted with living green, and because he spoke and fruit trees appeared and flowers appeared, because he spoke and stars came into existence. He is incredibly all-powerful. So he can recreate my heart. Where there's darkness, he can bring light. Where there's impurity, he can bring purity. Where there's anger, he can bring a calm spirit. Where there's tension and worry and fear, peace can flood into my heart. Why? Because he's more than a good man. More than an ethical teacher. More than a moral philosopher. He is the creator. And when my life is shaky because he sustains the universe, he can sustain my life. And when I'm riddled with guilt and shame and condemnation because of sin, because he sacrificed his life on Calvary's cross as divine, he can provide forgiveness and grace and mercy. And when I need help in time of need, he is my high priest. So what does Hebrews say? Hebrews says he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the redeemer. He's the high priest. Now, if one had any doubt about who Jesus was... Philippians 2 said, he's in the very form of God. He is the unchangeable, unalterable nature of God. Matthew chapter 1 says, the angel says, he is God with us. In Hebrews chapter 1, God himself, the Father, addresses the Son as God. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. And as you go through, go down to verse 8. God is speaking in verse 8. Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person, the all-powerful creator of the universe, the one who upholds things by the word of his power. But listen to how the Father addresses the Son. Hebrews 1, verse 8. But to the Son, he says, the Father speaking, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. How does the Father address the Son? He addresses Him as what? As God. He says, your throne, O God. Do you think that Paul understood that Jesus was God? Do you think the angel understood that Jesus was God? Do you think that the Father understood that? Why is this so significant? What difference does it make to your life and mine that Jesus has existed from all eternity. What difference does it make that he's fully God? Now, there are some that have the unbiblical idea that in some mysterious way, Jesus was begotten, that he was brought into existence by the Father, and there was a time that Jesus did not exist. Every time the Bible uses the word begotten, it is not to describe that there was a time Jesus didn't exist. The word begotten has to do with the incarnation, Christ being begotten into the world, Christ being conceived in the womb of Mary. Now, there are some people that have the idea that Christ in some way did not exist in some time of eternity. They have this vague idea that maybe he exists in the bosom of the Father. They don't know what that means. But here's the issue. First, that idea is unbiblical. But there's another issue. When the Bible speaks of Jesus begotten, as we mentioned, it's his coming into this world. Why is this important? Now, follow me very closely. If there ever was a time that Jesus did not exist, 
that means the time that he did not exist is longer than the time he did exist. If there ever was a time that Jesus did not exist, because if you say, okay, the Father brought Christ into existence billions of years ago at some point beyond what we can imagine, then what I will say to you is, what is that point of time and how much time was before that? And if infinity is before that, that means that Jesus didn't exist longer than he did exist. What that then subsequently means is that his life is not eternal. What that subsequently means is that he cannot offer you and me eternal life. Because eternity in the future would be beyond what he existed in the past. So therefore, if in any way you downplay who Christ is in his divinity, then he cannot offer eternal life. Because eternal life is life without end. And if he didn't have eternal life, if he didn't have life without end, how can he offer life without end? And here is the incredible good news. It is not that Jesus has life, it is Jesus is life. Take your Bible, please, and notice. This is an amazing truth. Jesus is eternal just as the Father is eternal. Jesus is from everlasting just as the Father is from everlasting. Jesus has always existed just as the Father has always existed. He's the all-powerful creator, the sustainer of the universe. And since he's existed from all eternity, his offer of eternal life is real. Since he is the all-powerful creator, he can recreate our hearts. Look at John chapter 1 verse 4. It is not that Jesus has life, it is that Jesus is life. John chapter 1, verse 4. This is the incredible good news for you and for me today. John 1, we're looking there at verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Christ is life. I love the way it's put by Ellen White in the Review and Herald, April 5, 1906. That's Review and Herald, April 5, 1906. The Lord Jesus Christ the divine Son of God existed from eternity, a distinct person, yet one with the Father. And then Desire of Ages, page 531. Don't miss this one. In Christ is life. Notice, same within the Bible. Not Christ has life, but in Christ what? Is life. Original, unborrowed, underived. He that hath the Son hath life. The divinity of Christ is the believer's assurance of eternal life. See, it's the divinity of Christ that is our assurance of eternal life. Now, what do you think the devil might do about that? If you were the devil... No, that's not a good thing to say. If... I was going to say if you think like the devil, but I'm getting myself in worse trouble all the time. What might the devil's strategy be to downplay who Jesus is? See, if the devil can downplay who Jesus is, then he can rob us of the assurance of eternal life. What was this sentence in Desire of Ages 531? The divinity of Christ is the believer's assurance of eternal life. You see, once we open our hearts fully to Jesus, and Jesus enters our life, the gift of eternal life is ours. Not resident in us because of who we are, but resident in him because of who he is. And if we have Christ, we have life. Amen. 
Take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 John chapter 5. This takes away fear. It takes away the bondage of death. Every human being who lives sometime in their life thinks about the time they're going to die. And death can hold individuals in bondage. Because you know that unless Jesus comes, the grave is there. 1 John chapter 5, you're looking there. 1 John 5, once we open our hearts to fully accept Jesus, His life flows into us. And as long as we have Him, eternal life is ours. What does our text say? Look, 1 John 5, and you're looking there at verse 11, 12, and 13. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. What has God given to us? What has God given to us? What does the scripture say? Eternal life. And this life is where? In his son. Next verse. These things, verse 12, he who has the son has life. So he who has the son has what? Do you have the son? Do you have the son? What do you have? And what kind of life did Jesus have? Eternal life. So he that has the Son has what? Life. Is that life ever in me? No. Where is it? In Jesus. But as long as I have Jesus, I have what? I have life. Notice, we continue to read. He who had, verse 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Unfortunately, we'll need to leave it there for today's Hope Lives 365. Please join us again tomorrow when we conclude this message. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical, relevant ways. Call 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website hopelives365.com to find out more about Pastor Mark Finley and Hope Lives 365. Call 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673 or visit hopelives365.com. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.